Welcome to CrossFit Malulabar's Community Fitness Mindset, where we discuss how to get the most out of your training and improving your way of life. Welcome back to CrossFit Malulabar's Community Fitness Mindset. Today we've got James Hill, Jimmy, as everyone at uh, CrossFit Malulabar knows, and we talk a little bit about mental health side of things and how we can use CrossFit to support mental health challenges, but also like recognizing them in other people and things like that. So we're just going to start off with uh, Jimmy. You uh, just want to tell us a little bit about you, your study in counseling, correct? That's correct. Yep. 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 And um, you teach the mental health first aid course and that sort of thing. Yep. And you have a, you work for Energex, right? And you, your role there is like a mental health sort of thing. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your role and what you sort of do and what you're studying to to become that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, thanks a lot for having me along, Brad. I really appreciate Pleasure. it. Um, yeah. So um, my role, yeah, I work for Energy Queensland, which is um, yeah, Ergon and Energex basically. And my role is a mental health advocate there. So that's a, a position that myself and, and a colleague created because we felt a need for um, addressing mental health problems in the workplace differently than what we've always done before. So, um, yeah, that's been a, it's been a really big job, um, and a pretty big challenge, um, to get across the state, providing education, training, changing policies, building strategies, but because I'm passionate about it, I love it. So on that, right. Yep. Cause this is a pretty new role. So you're at Energex before yep. you were on the tools, right. And, and a little bit of management. Yep. Yep. And then like you, you were saying, you felt there was a need for this, right. And obviously there's a story behind that, but, mm. For a lot of people probably don't understand, this is probably, would this be one of the first workplaces in Australia or or the world to really implement this sort of thing? Yeah, look, there's a lot of workplaces doing it, but in the energy industry, which we're in, um, yep. I'm not aware of anywhere else in the world that has a dedicated position. So we are kind of building a blueprint. So I'm kind of, yeah, leading the way, I suppose, myself and my, and my colleague. Um, and as, as you said, there is a story behind it. I've got my own lived experience with them. Um, mm-hmm mental illness and, and and things that go along with that but yeah it's um it's it, we've done we've done a lot of work in a very short period of time so um we actually won an award two years ago uh, for the large workplace uh, mental health award in the mental health week awards and i actually walked out with the um individual contribution to mental health award as well so that's really cool yeah thanks man but yeah so uh, and as you you touched on earlier yeah i'm, I'm studying as a tradesperson, has been a very big <laughs> challenge. But um, yeah, look, I'm working towards my um, degree in counselling and I can see the finish line now. Um, it's just over the horizon, so I'm almost there. So, um, But that just sort of bolsters my skills, I suppose, to help um, people. And, you know, d- do what I do um, with a little bit of, you know, education behind me so that I, I know that I, I'm doing the right thing. And um, as you say, yeah, the mental health first aid, is another thing that I'm accredited to teach, and um, you know it's a, it's a really worthwhile course. Hence why you know I put my hand up to uh, do the instructor's course and to start teaching it because um, the the value that that adds to the world is is unbelievable. And I think it's a uh, it's something that should really be um, be taken off a lot more and, and taken on by a lot of workplaces, communities, and, and just people in general. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. So I've um, I had the pleasure of doing my uh, mental health first aid course with you, and it it was a massive eye opener because there's a uh, there's a lot of things you learn on it where you think how do you have these conversations with people and things like that like what are, what are, what should you be doing what's your role and you think you know and then you actually do the course and you're like I 
got it completely wrong, I actually would have done the worst thing, right? So uh, let's start off with why don't you tell us a bit about like what's in, involved in the mental health first aid, not so much the course but in mental health first mm. aid in the in the real world. What's the role of mental health first aid and what are some things that you can help recognise if someone needs mental health first aid or if you need mental health first aid in yourself? Mm. Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, let's just start it off with liken it to physical um, first aid, you know, and most of us will be well aware of, of what that is. You know, if we're first responders on a scene, so if we see somebody trip over or something, there's a bit of blood, okay, I'm a first responder. Do I need to call an ambulance? No, okay, I don't. In this scenario, I can put a Band-Aid on it. We can keep the person sort of calm, whatever we need to do. It's generally the same as that, only the things that we are looking for are not always as blaringly obvious as as blood rushing out or something like that. Yeah. So what I always look at is there is no sort of what is normal. We've all got our own normal for us of how we we operate, how we how we are in general. And what this course will will give you is the ability to be a first responder but from a mental health perspective. So we're understanding what what our normal is um, and then recognizing when there's periods of time um, and I don't just mean in a day because we all have ups and downs and we sit on a continuum and we move up and down that and that's perfectly normal. But for periods of time where, you know, if, if we're having these feelings where we're not my normal self and that lasts for, you know, two weeks, then we're looking at, you know, we're probably going to need to get a bit of assistance with what that is. But also what it would do is give us the ability to recognize that in the people around us, um, our friends, our community, people we work with, how to recognize, hey, something's not quite right. And it gives you the ability to then have a conversation, to connect them up with some support. You could be the first responder. Um, but it also looks into uh, more serious things, so crisis intervention. So let's just say someone's having a panic attack. You know, a lot of people go, well, I wouldn't know what to do. And and that's perfectly normal because it's not something we're trained to know what to do um, but this course will, will give you the ability to, to how to assist somebody in that scenario. Um, we also look at other critical sort of uh, crises. And what it does is it arms you with the skills and the ability to, as I say, be a first responder. Just like physical first aid is not going to teach you how to do surgery on the side of the road, neither should it. You're not going to walk out of this course a trained counsellor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist treating people. You're just there until the appropriate help is uh, able to be getting to that person. Yeah. So it's your, you know, your step to, you know, encourage people to go seek the help that they need and that sort of thing. You're talking about like understanding you know, everyone's got a different normal, right? So, you know, and you might notice someone's different from their normal, right? That's like a warning sign. So, you know, to give a, a real world example, you know, if anyone that knows me knows I'm like I'm a bit of an introvert, right? And I like my alone time. And so if, if you were messaging me and I didn't, you know, message you back like immediately, that's kind of pretty normal. But if you're messaging my wife, Carissa, and she didn't get back to you for a few days or something, you'd be like, that would be warning signs, right? Because she's normally right on top of that sort of stuff and she'd message you back within like half an hour or an hour or, you know, depending if she's doing something. But she'd definitely get back to you, you know, pretty, pretty much straight away. So you, that'd be a definite warning sign that... And then, so take us through. If you notice something like that, what would be the what would be a, a common first step to then? Yeah. So how I sort of, um, you know, when, when we're going through the course and when I'm when I'm talking to people and when we're doing this kind of stuff is, yeah, how you approach that is very important because 
I can almost guarantee if you said to somebody, how are you or are you okay? You're going to get a stock standard response. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. You know, you get you go to the shop and buy a loaf of bread or something. They go, oh, how was your day? Yeah. Well, do you really want to know? Or, or you just want me to say, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So it's how to frame that question. So what, what I usually, I liken it to is like having a bit of an evidence folder, let's say. So you're almost like a lawyer or, or a, a detective, basically. So I need to base the reason I'm asking that question on real reasons. Am I asking it just because it's a throwaway statement? Like, how are you going? Yeah, good. Or am I actually asking because I care? So what I do is I'll look at the evidence in my little imaginary uh, case notes. So I'll go, well, yeah, Carissa normally gets back to me really quickly. Now she she hasn't, you know, this has been three days and she hasn't. So there could be a reason that she hasn't seen it. No worries. Or there could be something wrong. So that would go in my little evidence book. And then I'd look for anything else. You know, if I've seen her around, you know, she, she doesn't look her normal bubbly happy self. She might look a bit reserved or, or, or quiet. I go, okay, well, I'll put that in my evidence book. And when I've got a few things in there, I might approach and I'll just say, hey, I've noticed whatever these things, that's not normally you. You know, is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to help you? And when you frame up and when you actually notice these things and put it to the person, they're more likely to reflect on that and go, well, actually, yeah, I've been a bit quiet or, yeah, I've been struggling to get back to people and talk to people or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got more chance of then that person opening up to, you know, getting some help or you assisting that person rather than you just going, are you okay? So I, I try to get some evidence before I ask that question. Now, people don't always come back and go, yeah, I need some help. That's, you know, that's not always going to be the case. Yep. But it's leaving that door open and go, no, that's okay. I'm just letting you know that if there's anything I can do or I can help you with, you know, by all means, you can talk to me and leave that door open. And hopefully you know we can with encouragement and support and somebody is struggling we can we can encourage them to get that help they need but yeah it's about recognizing those those signs building a bit of a case of evidence and then approaching the person yeah yeah and um i suppose as well when you actually bring up to them like specific examples you're no longer bringing into question their character or their personality or anything like that you're actually bringing into an action or something like that which is one, it's sort of undeniable, like, oh, yeah, I did take a few days to get back to you or whatever it was, or, yes, I haven't been my normal bubbly self. So people are less likely to be defensive. Would that be right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and it's how you frame it. You know, if you're coming from a caring and supportive yeah. environment, you know, you're not you're not going into somebody and go, hey, you're not happy. What's going on? You know, that, yeah. that's yeah. not going to be – it's how you frame yeah. it. Like you're not, you're not ascribing a feeling to them, no. like saying, hey, you're not happy – and so yeah. how do you know what they're, they're feeling, exactly right? right? Yeah, that's yeah. where we go about that. You know, we just frame up that, you know, that's not normally you. Um, is everything okay? Because yeah. then they reflect on, well, yeah, probably I've been a little bit out of sorts. So mm-hmm. it just gives you the ability, you know, to actually uh, how to frame up that question. But also then if somebody isn't doing real well, you're also armed with the resources of what available help is out there, how, yeah. to, how to connect that person up and sort of walk on that path with them yep. um, as they get the help they need. Yeah. And just explain to us what what available help is there out there because there's a lot of qualified help out there and then there's a lot of unqualified help out there. Can, can you, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Uh, so, well, look, I'll, I'll give a high-level um, overview because, as you say, there is a ton of stuff out there. Yeah. Um, but I'd certainly be looking, if we're going to get some help with any psychological issues, I'll be going down professional routes first. So GP is always a good first step. You know, a lot of them aren't 
dedicated mental health resources, but they got the ability then to assess the situation mm. and refer you off to either a psychologist and psychologist will generally be doing talk-based therapies. Yep. Or we can go to a psychiatrist. Now a psychiatrist um, has the ability to prescribe medications for um, mental health problems. Um, and also some of them do do sort of talk therapies and things, but I'd certainly be keeping away from Google uh, therapy uh, sessions. Yep. Because you can get a lot of bad advice um, from that thing. And, and everybody's on a unique journey. So you need to work with a professional to guide you through your journey because what works for me, some elevant elements of that may work for somebody else, but you know, not everything. So it's not a just take this pill, do this thing, and everything's sweet. You, you've got to look down that professional sort of avenue. That's always the first port of call. Yeah. We were just talking about this before when we were uh, off air, right? Um, about mental health, things like depression, anxiety. Oh, there's a whole host of things right there, mm. but um, they're complex issues in, in that, you know, it's not like depression is not caused by a deficiency in Prozac pills, right? <laughs> um, it's There's there's the biological component, there's the psychological component, there's a the social component, mm. right? Yep. So there's, there's all these components and they all interact and, and that. Um, can you just elaborate a little bit on, I mean, I'm, I know we could elaborate a lot, but we'll just keep it brief, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit on, so there's some biological things there and some some treatments that people might go through, keeping in mind that it's up a, a, to a professional to prescribe those treatments mm-hmm. and then like psychological and and then sort of social interventions and things like that. Yeah, look, we look at, as you said, there's, there's biological, there's social. Um, a lot of those things might not be modifiable so we look at what can we modify um you know biological stuff if that's the genes or or that's whatever um issues we've got which are genetically passed to us we're going to need professional help more often than not Mm -hmm. the social sort of side of things you know there's some of those things which are in our control which are not in our control um so again we've got to look at what's modifiable but a lot of those things, some things we can we can sort of come back to like the um, you know the physiological sort of things as well. We can look at okay, well we look at how we how we can modify some of those things, and, and exercise is a perfect uh, example to look at how we can enhance our, our I suppose well being. Yeah. So um, and we look at generally you know, a lot of chemicals are produced in the brain, um, but the ones that are of real benefit to our ho- overall well being are there's three main ones um, which I'll touch on is serotonin and a lot of people have probably heard around around that talk about serotonin and that's particularly with um, depression and anxiety mm-hmm. lower levels of that um, dopamine now that's the happy yep the, the, the happy <laughs> chemical yeah, yeah. so yeah that's the it, cocaine one right oh yeah, yeah. well <laughs> you could probably still have an ice cream and still get the same benefits yeah, but yeah. um <laughs> yeah um but yeah, that, that's that's the feel good. So that's a reward factor. You do something yeah. good, you get a reward. The brain releases dopamine, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that gives us motivation to do things that are pleasurable. Yeah, and uh, there's also um, norepinephrine, which um, that's another chemical that's released when we're exercising. And what that does is it increases the heart rate, increases the blood flow um, into the brain, releases glucose to get energy, mm-hmm. and we feel good. So that's why exercise is, you know something that is a real big part of um, when we're talking about how people can actually enhance their mental health. Exercise plays a really, really key role in that. Um, And obviously the community that we've got certainly fits into that bill. So we look at, hey, 
15 minutes of exercise, we can release these chemicals and feel good. Yeah. So just yeah. just 15 minutes a day is enough. Yeah, yeah. So how could we use something like, you know, CrossFit training and the community? Like, let's just elaborate a little bit on what you just said to help, you know, strengthen our own mental health. Yeah, so obviously the community, it, it's very unique to CrossFit. You know, I, back in the day, and that's where I first met you, you know, we used to train at just a generic gym yep. uh, and, and you were working there at the time. Um, there isn't really a sense of community in that. So you'll go in, you'll join a 24-hour gym, whatever it may be. Um, you'll get yourself a program. Yep. You lob in there whenever you want. Work through your program alone with your headphones in Yep. and walk out the door. Again, you're getting those benefits from exercise, but the one key element that is missing is that um, human interaction and that connectiveness. Yeah. Now, as human beings, you know, as much as we've evolved and we've built new technology and we, we're doing all these fantastic things, there's still elements of our brain that haven't really uh, evolved too much from the caveman times. Mm. And uh, one of those things are is, is that human connection. There is a very, very... Um, big benefit in being connected to other human beings in a community. And back in those cavemen times, you know, if you were on the outer, survival was probably very, you know, slim for you. So yep. if, if you weren't in part of the group, you probably weren't going to get fed. You probably were going to get eaten by something. Yeah. So that part of our brain is still inherent there for us. Those feel-good feelings and, and all that community spirit is is very beneficial to us so yeah. if we go to somewhere you know like a community in crossfit let's say we're getting that added element that we're not getting anywhere else yeah that, that connectedness with other human beings who are you know probably on the same sort of wavelength as us um similar interests we fit in and it's comfortable the community like it can be really beneficial right to mm. to join in and and obviously the the training side of things, so feeling like you're belonging, but you know what what's some of the some risks associated with that style of CrossFit training, some risky behaviours and attitudes and things that we need to keep in check when you know when joining in the community. Yeah, and again, it's individualistic, so we come back to our own um, mindsets as we go into the gym. And yes, we're all in there. We're all looking at that clock, three, two, one, go. We're all going to start at the same time. But everybody's in a different space in their head. Yeah. And everybody uses training for different reasons. Everybody has different goals. So it's important to keep that in check. You know, it's not a, I'm here to, to compete with everybody and beat everybody. You know, that might be your mindset, but not everybody's going to be in that mindset. Yep. And that can be a bit of a challenge because we can then fall into sort of negative mindsets of, I should be able to, you know, lift this weight. Uh, I should be able to do that. I've been coming for, you know, for me, it's a very long time and there's, there's things I'm unable to do at the moment. And that's all right. That's right. I'm comfortable with that because I haven't made that a priority to be able to do that. But, you know, some, we shouldn't put expectations on I've been coming X amount of months, weeks, years. Mm -hmm. I should be able to do this exercise, this. I should be able to lift this. Those are those risky sort of mindsets we can yep. fall into and then they're – detrimental to our training mm -hmm. and to our overall well-being yeah we end up walking out of the gym and probably in worse shape than we did psychologically um, because of these negative mindsets yeah so it's yeah. very important to keep that in check yeah and understand what is your reason for coming for training today yeah. and, and on every day that can be a different reason because um we all i don't think any of us are full-time athletes where we just 
train every day. We don't have a job yep. and, and we've got professionals on our side looking after nutrition and sleep yep. and health yep. and we've got our own psychologists and <laughs> coaches. I don't think we've got any of those people. I might be missing it, but as yep. far as I know, not. Yep. So um, yep. we need to understand that and take that into, into consideration with our own training. Yeah. So it's interesting. I've um, spoken with uh, Laura Langman, you know, one of the, the all-time greatest um, netball players and it was pretty amazing like uh, some of the resources she's uh, spoken about having hold of like as a professional athlete. We spoke a lot about getting the reason why she was playing or the, you know her her values in life and, and what she's getting after. It's sort of like taking that approach of like, hey, this is important for the elite guys but, hey, it's also really important for someone who's just coming in to stay healthy to you know, play with their kids and that to keep that that purpose in in mind, right? So if you're coming in because you want to have, yeah, you want to be able to play with your kids when you when you on the weekends or go go surfing with your child when they're twenty or whatever, and you're you know fifty or sixty or however old you are. So keeping that in mind, in no way nowhere in that goal does like beating every single person in the gym fit into that goal, right? Exactly right, and and also yeah, as I say, those those mindsets of having that that reason um, why I'm training, and if it's just for that, being able to stop and say, right, you know, this weight's probably too heavy for me mid workout, and not have that anxiety of I can't change it now. Yeah, I've, I've started. With, I've started yeah. with it. I've got to finish it. Yeah, yeah, no, you can change it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like this, this is a when you realize this is inappropriate, you know, it's within your realm of control. You can change that weight. Absolutely. You know? And I know that some gyms might not let you do that. Like our gym, we definitely do. Like if it's if it is inappropriate, then uh, change away. Yeah, yeah. You know, touching on that, you know, having some risky behaviours and things like that. Sometimes that wrong mindset, right? We can come into the gym with, you know, a sort of a mindset that doesn't really service and sets us up for a bit of disaster, right? When we can have, we we've seen it a few times, right? Folks get uh, that workout related anxiety, right? They they really put a lot of pressure and expectations on themselves before they start and crumble into a heap, usually from like hyperventilating. And what's some signs that we should recognize for, you know, when we're having a bit of an anxiety, what do you, what's the correct term? Is it anxiety attack or you know, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's an just, episode? It's, it's just, yeah, it would be an episode yeah. um, and it could lead on to, to full yeah. um, panic attack. Um, yeah. So I can certainly give some insight there um, yeah. from a personal level. Yeah, <laughs> look, I've played played the game in in varying forms over the last few years, and um, while I'm coming to terms with my own um, challenges that I face, and you know, I've learned a lot of them the hard way. Thankful in one way that I have because it enables me to actually pass this experience and knowledge on to others to assist. Um, but as you say, you know that. That can be a real challenge for, for a lot of people. And as I said before, those chemicals that are released in your brain are those fight flight sort of chemicals mm-hmm. that, that the brain is releasing just before a workout. So you get three, two, one, I need the toilet, you know. Yep. And, and that's what happens is as I talk about there's um different uh systems that we've got in the body. So we we've got the um sympathetic nervous system that is a kicked into gear right then. Yep. What happens is then it just floods the body with those adrenaline type um endorphins um which again goes back to the caveman days that fight or flight or freeze is 
something's going to eat me. I'm either yeah. going to fight it, I'm yeah. going to run away, or I'm just going to stand there and don't know what to do. Yep. And that's exactly what's happening. So that's why we need the toilet before we go because the body goes, I don't need, it shuts down all those functions. Yeah. Like the bladder, the digestive system, because they're not important at the moment. What's important is flooding your muscles with um, blood and oxygen so that you can go, but it also obviously uh, can overwhelm us. Yeah. You know, so what we might find then is we're already in that state before we go in. Now, if we've got those mindsets, I should be quicker than this, I should be doing this, this person next to me is two reps ahead of me and that can very, very quickly escalate in our own mind yeah. um, to the point where, yeah, we may be facing panic. And and it's real. It's it's scary and it's not a good place to be when you're there. So, you know, what is important, again, is before we walk in the gym, recognize, as you said, the purpose that we're there for. Mm-hmm. Why, why am I here today? I just I want to exercise. Do I want to bash myself to pieces? Maybe I do, but generally not. Mm-hmm. So it's having that mindset before we step in and think to myself, what's the worst that's going to happen if I don't finish this this workout? I'm not going to get eaten by anything. I'm pretty sure there's nothing um, <laughs> unless you've got your dogs in the background, but I think they're going to eat me. But um, yeah, look, it might take them a while. Yeah, <laughs> and it would. But um, yeah, we look at what's the worst that's going to happen. And then we base things right back from there. So some of the strategies that, that I use, you know, if, I, if I've had a pretty big day and I come in, you know, sort of say emotionally depleted, so I just, I recognize that first and foremost. I go, okay, well, today might be a challenge. So as that clock ticks down, three, two, one, I just wait another second or two yeah. before I pick the bar yeah. up or before I start. Yeah. Because what's the worst that's going to happen if yeah. I get a two-second slower time? Yeah. Like, that's whatever I'm looking yeah. after myself today. And if I need to scale it, no one's going to be judging me or they shouldn't be judging me in, in the environment that we've got. Mm-hmm. So if let's just say I use it yesterday for a perfect example, I scaled every single movement. My, my purpose was I just wanted to continually move at a pace that was comfortable to me. And I didn't care whether I finished it. I didn't care whether I scaled everything. I didn't care who was doing what, where, and when. And it's that ability to recognize that before you start yep. and to adapt as you go through. Yeah, yeah. But then like so you, for example, right, quite often we'll see you like we yeah, always say three, two, one, go, and you'll just stand there for a couple of seconds and then pick up the bar, right? And, mm. and that that shift for you was pretty monumental. Sounds so simple, right? You just, <laughs> yeah. just wait three seconds, right? But that was a pretty monumental shift, shift right, in um, helping you manage that anxiety. Mm, yeah. But then sure. you'll come in some days and you'll be feeling good, right? Yep. And you crack on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's about having that ability, I suppose, within yourself. We've spoken about this before, like a, yeah, like a traffic light sort of. Um, yeah. Uh, I suppose thing that we can use within our own brain. So if you imagine, you know, set of traffic lights, red, amber, green. It's before we go into the gym is, is recognizing where we are on those three things. So green, awesome. I had a great night's sleep last night. My nutrition's on point today. I've eaten really, really well. I've hydrated really well. The day's just gone so easy. I've had no stress. I've had, you know, everything's just gone perfect and I feel pumped and I come in and I'm, I'm good. And I'm going to hit this hard and I feel like I can hit it hard. Mm. Great. No worries. But some days we might walk in and we might be in the amber. Like, you know, I had a broken night's sleep last night, for example, let's say, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't have time to to have brekkie this morning, so I had to rush that. 
um, I've had a you know, pretty stressful day. You know, things have gone gone wrong. I've been sat in the traffic rushing to get to the gym. I've walked in. I'm already sort of not quite in the green zone where I was before. And it's about calling that within yourself. Go, well, today I'm in the amber. So this might be one of those days where I scale it. Mm-hmm. Or this might be one of those days where if I need to stop halfway through a workout and have a breath, that's what I'm going to do because what's the worst that's going to happen? But then those days where you might be in the red. Now, those are those days where we really don't feel we should be going to the gym and that's the initial gut feel that we probably should act upon. Okay, today it's been a bad day. I got one hour of sleep last night. And, you know, I haven't really eaten well today and I just don't feel real good, but I've got to go to the gym because I've got to, you know, you've got all these mindsets coming in. I should get to the gym. I've mm. got to. Those those unhelpful mindsets. Mm. You and don't then, have to, right? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And, and You get and, to, but yeah. Those are the ones where we need to recognize when you get, when you start having those shoulds and got tos yeah. is if we don't do that, that's when we sort of beat ourselves and go, I've failed. Yeah. I've got to go to the gym. So if I don't, I've failed. I've let myself down and mm-hmm. that can that can be a negative thing. But mm. if the feeling is today's been a big day and, and the gym might not be the good thing, even if I modify everything, it's going to be a challenge. You can go for a walk, you can do something else, but mm. it's calling it, you know, because we can walk out of there in a lot worse shape than we walked in with. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, you know, you, you touched on before like biological you know, people are, are different, right? That's as part of part of the human race is that we exist on a spectrum on a whole bunch of different things. And like, you know, so some people might spend most of their life in in green lights, right? Absolutely. And uh, you know, occasionally hit the amber, but that's about it. And then some people, you know, it could be biological, it could be that psychological, maybe the way, way we're raised and, you know, we might not have the most resilient mindset, correct? Yep. Yep. And so we might spend more time in that red zone, right? And that's sort of like, you know, our big piece of our purpose as a gym is, you know, we talk about the community, the fitness, the mindset, and the big part of the mindset. So, you know, trying to put, move people into a more resilient base mindset, right? Mm. You know, making sure that we're using the gym and, and our attitude towards the gym to uh, help you know, strengthen that mindset. And uh, you, you touched on before just then was uh, that saying like I have to go to the gym. Mm. Like you don't have to do anything, right? Breathe oxygen, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. eat some food, <laughs> um, drink some water, right? That, that's the sort of stuff we have to do. But, um, yeah, understanding a little bit more that that idea that you get to do it and it's a choice and recognising that that's, within your power and sort of it's more of an empowering way of thinking about it. It's like, um, you know, there's, there's more of things that you can control than you think and, and stop giving away that power, right? Mm, yeah, that's, and that's, that's an important thing that you say, that's yeah. that control, you know, that's another thing which, you know, we, we probably need to recognise and focus on is, you know, what is within our control, yep. particularly in the gym environment. Well, I can't control that clock because it's going to keep ticking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can control my relationship with it. And yes, choose not to be that concerned if it ticks down. Yeah, I can't choose that a hundred kilos on a bar weighs a hundred kilos because that's what it, <laughs> that's what it's going to weigh for all yeah, the time unless gravity changes. It's physics, right? <laughs> so, but what I can control is whether I put that hundred on the bar or whether I put forty or whether I just pick the bar up today. Mm-hmm. So it's having those things that are within our control and what's not within our control. And recognizing what that is and, and taking that control and not 
not feeling that guilt. Mm. Look at the shoulds and the have to and the got tos. Yep. And flip that. Yep. So part of like, so someone that, that might be struggling with some mental health stuff out there, right? And they're thinking about going and get some some professional help, right? And you mentioned before some, you know, talk therapies and things like that. So there's things out there, right? Like um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? And that's all built around, you know, building that that mindset, right? That, mm. that stronger, more more empowering mindset. So can you tell us a little bit about things like CBT? Are there some other, you know, examples, evidence-based examples out there? Absolutely, yeah. So generally speaking, um, you know, if you do go and see a, a psychologist or counsellor, they will usually use that uh, CBT therapy. Now, look, my understanding prior to ever going to a psychologist mm-hmm. was was the, the things I'd seen on movies and things. Yeah, we spoke about this the other day. Yeah, I, I thought Freud. I was, exactly. I, thought I was going to walk into Freud's office and and he's going to be smoking a pipe and just just hammering me about my dreams and my family and yeah. that stuff. But yeah, why you want to have sex with your mum? Well, you know? yeah, <laughs> they did go into some pretty uh, crazy stuff back in the day. But um, yeah, you know, you could. There are still therapists who do go along that uh, psychoanalytical path but it's not the preferred way these days so cbt is is generally um what's used because there's a big evidence base behind it so what it does is it challenges those thoughts um beliefs and um the actions that we have uh, mm-hmm. behaviors around certain scenarios and situations that are challenging for us and it gives us the ability to go within those and recognize the challenges and i suppose build a toolkit to help work through those particular problems. You work with a therapist and as I say, it's evidence-based. So that's why you, you work with, with the therapist because so they can look at what works and what doesn't and we can kind of build and tailor uh, a, a therapy or a treatment that works specifically for you to deal with the particular issue that you've got currently at the moment. So as I say, my my understanding now that I've been you know to a, a number of psychologists over the years and, and I still do, it's like... I look at it like maintenance of, of my car. Mm-hmm. So I can choose to just go, oh, I'm going to go to the psychologist when something's wrong. And that's cool. That's just like you might have a car and you just, you go to the mechanic when when it breaks down. Yep. No worries. Or you could choose to enact that, you know, on maybe a quarterly basis. It's just a check-in, you mm-hmm. know, just, a, hey, I've got a few challenges with a few things. Like it's yep. not changing my life or, or really affecting me badly, but it is a bit of a challenge. And you can use it as maintenance then. You know, you could go once every three or four months or once every six months and yeah. just like a check-in for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that regular maintenance and really caring for our brain is is really important. Yes. I like that, like having a little bit of, uh, you know, you, it's sort of up to you to decide what's appropriate, right, mm. rather than touching back on what you said before, like I should be going, uh, yeah, yeah. that's what I should be, and giving yourself a hard time. And, you know, then again it's, it just becomes all counterproductive, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But one last question for you. Mm-hmm. So we've we've sort of spoken a bit about how our community we try and you know we pride ourselves on trying to be supportive for so many different goals, and it it is it's a very tricky line to walk, right? Because you know you you've got such a diverse range of people. But what if someone else is is struggling? How do they manage themselves with a coach or a community? that might actually be making their anxiety or their depression or whatever it mm. is, their mental health issues might actually be not helping but making it worse. Yeah, 
you know, I do believe happens out there, unfortunately. So I think, you know, the first thing for an individual who may be struggling with that, if you've recognized that, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, is reach out for some help first and foremost, mm -hmm. um, professional help, as we spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. But if we walk into that gym and that environment is particularly challenging to us, it, it comes down to the relationship that you have within that community and with that coach. Now, I would say a good coach would be approachable. Um, and you can have a, a non-judgmental conversation mm -hmm. with a coach where you can say, hey, look, you don't need to specifically go into details, but you maybe say, look, sometimes I get a bit challenged by, you know, whether it be there's a big class, a lot of people in there, and I, I get a bit, you know, sort of anxious when there's lots of people around and lots of bars clanging around and stuff. Is there something I can kind of do? Would you mind if I set up over in the corner over here and, and so that I can, I've got access to a door if I need to walk out and I, I'm quite comfortable there. Is that okay? You know, these conversations that we can openly have with the coach and that uh, hopefully they'll be accommodating and understand and be empathetic to your needs. Yeah. And I can speak from a coach point of view, it's far better to have that conversation because when that person does walk out the door you, and you, if you haven't had that conversation, you know, like there's a whole bunch of thoughts run through your head, like why are they walking out that door, mm. right? And it's like it's far better to have that understanding that what's going on. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, and again, like like I said, that that relationship with the coach is, is first and foremost. Now, yep. if you don't have that it, within your gym, it might be a thing that we can come back to that control. Yeah. What can I control? Because if this environment is is really challenging my my health. Yeah. I'm unable to have this conversation with the coach because they're not approachable or yeah. that they don't understand. They they might have. So I've I've seen this a few times. They have like an expectation that no, you you have to RX this workout. You have to lift this weight. You have to go as hard as you can. Uh, yeah. So there's there's no other option than that, right? Mm. So that that would be something. Then you go. Well, what can I can control? Yep. Oh, I can control whether I actually turn up here. Yeah. <laughs> and potentially that environment might not be beneficial to your health. Mm -hmm. As much as we've spoken about how exercise is beneficial to you, if that environment is not, well, it, it may be time to look for somewhere else that's going to give you what you need. Yeah. Um, and yep. the same goes for the community. You know, like it, it's, there's a lot of encouragement and I love that about CrossFit. You know, we'll get the last person across the line and, and that's great, but sometimes that can be detrimental as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've been in environments, not, thankfully not at our gym, but when I've been traveling, I've been in other gyms and I've been challenged, you know, pretty anxious. It's a new place. It's pretty busy and I'm sort of in the workout, but then you just got people just screaming at you like, pick the bar, pick the bar. And it, it just pushes me over the edge. So that environment, you know, again, is not that healthy. Mm -hmm. So we need to, to recognize and always come back to my own well-being is the most important thing here. Yeah. I can control. You can shout and scream at me as much as you like to pick that bar up. If it's challenging me and I'm not going to, I can control whether I do or whether I don't. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's bringing it back to that and yep. and not again, not feeling guilty, not going I should because they're shouting at me. Yes. Go I'm not because I care for myself. And it's sort of having that adaptability within the community, right? So because mm. having shouting at someone to get back on the bar if they're training to go to the CrossFit Games. They would probably love that encouragement, right? Um, or if they're, you know, training just to be a doesn't have to be CrossFit Games, just a competitor, right? Mm. That that sort of encouragement for them is really beneficial. Yep. 
Absolutely. You know, um, of course it is. Yeah. But in the same respect, it might not be beneficial for someone else. So it's sort of, you know, having the adaptability within the community but also the coaching staff to, you know, be able to identify and recognise what each person needs. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, from a, you know, a respectful way, we can sort of, you know, and I've seen this done, is we can, you, you know, say to the, the people within the, the community, if we see that going on, we see somebody's challenged by that. As a good coach, we go, hey, let's um, let's go and do some stretching. Or so. so we kind of defuse the situation, but without going, don't scream at this person, or because that would make the person feel even worse. You know, mm-hmm. we can kind of look at how we do that. But again, it's having that ability, and, and thankfully in our gym, you know, and with yourself, I'm very much appreciative of all the support and help you've given me over the years that we've got that ability to have that conversation. And I think that's what sets us apart from from many, many other places. Mm. Terrific. Well, hopefully that's helped a few p- people out there, but it's also given some awareness out there like for folks that might be able to recognise some warning signs in other people, like touching back on that mental health first aid. And I really hope it's inspired a few people to actually go and do their mental health first aid course. I cannot recommend it enough. It's, um, it is an amazing course. You're going to run it again, uh, hopefully soon for us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Look, you know, if we can get some numbers in, yeah. I'm more than happy to help the community yeah. because it, it helps everybody and, and builds a stronger and, and yeah, more supportive environment. Yeah, it's def- definitely terrific. Yeah. So if I could just, before I leave, uh, say, um, if anybody is struggling out there or they know someone who is, Jump online onto Beyond Blue's website. There's a whole lot of resources on there, real helpful stuff, a 24-hour helpline if you need to talk to somebody. Uh, Lifeline's also available on uh, 13, 11, 14. It's not weak to reach out for help. The help's there for a reason. And uh, I encourage anybody who who may be struggling or knows someone who is, please take that that first step and reach out and get some help. Mm. Could literally save your life. Absolutely. Or save someone else's. Yep. Yep. Terrific. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks a lot, Brad. Thanks for having me. And I'll uh, I'll enjoy my training. <laughs> I'll uh, one day um, we'll change the world, I'm sure, Brad. So good on you, mate. Oh, thanks, Jimmy. <laughs>